Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I am Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Carrie from Google join us. Carrie, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience. Hi, my name is Carrie Campbell, and I lead a global team supporting leadership enablement in Google Cloud Sales. So I have a background in academic education as an English professor. It's kind of where I started. Um, I accidentally fell into corporate training um, in the area of project management in the beginning. Um, and since then, I've led um, learning and development initiatives uh, across the gamut, including sales enablement, technical enablement, leadership development, culture and diversity and inclusion initiatives as well. Um, and then on top of that, I'm also a, a visual artist and poet. And I, I do have a, a certification in instructional design and organizational development, as well as project management. So I like to kind of bring everything uh, across all of those different dimensions in terms of my experience and background into anything that I'm doing. I love that. And those are gorgeous paintings behind you, by the way. Um, so I'm so excited to have you here. Um, as you mentioned, one of your areas of expertise is is leadership development for kind of aspiring sales leaders. So I, I'd love to get your perspective, Carrie. What are, what are the key skills or attributes that make sales leaders successful? So there's this thing that happens a lot um, in this particular space where someone who um, made a great sales rep winds up in a manager or leadership role because they were a good sales rep. Um, but it is a completely different thing that you are doing when you are a sales leader. And it's not really about uh, providing accurate forecasting reports to upper management, for example, or filling the pipeline, for example. Um, true sales leadership is about supporting and enabling your people to shine and bring their best to work in everything that they do. And that's not only um, in how they show up for their colleagues, but it's also in supporting your people and how they show up and serve your customers, right? So sales leaders set the vision and the strategy, and then they mentor, coach, and inspire their team to achieve success together. And ultimately, that success is how do we support our customers and our partners supporting our customers to achieve their goals? Absolutely. I think you're, I think you're spot on. And um one of the reasons I, I reached out to you is, is because uh, of of your background and your expertise with regard to culture and and in particular also DEI, and sales managers can have a a very strong influence on culture, particularly within the sales organization and amongst their teams. So, how can sales enablement prepare and support managers to ensure that the managers are fostering a healthy sales culture? Right. So one of the key things about that is psychological safety, right? You know, as a sales rep, um, you need to be able to feel safe to take risks, right? And you need a sales manager and sales leader who's willing to support you in thinking outside the box with the customer, um, taking risks in terms of how do we actually bring a solution to that customer, how to think creatively, right? Um, to me, a healthy sales culture requires taking risks and it requires being vulnerable and it requires pushing yourself and even the customer outside their comfort zone to envision these big goals and transformation 
and what they can achieve and execute on. For instance, at Google Cloud, we seek to provide value to our customers and supporting them to solve their most important business problems while painting a vision of the future for their digital transformation. And we want to be that partner with them to help them um, create that uh, vision of their future and um, transform their business. So if you can't think big or have a grand vision or be able to tell a story around what is possible, you'll remain in the mind of, you know, it's impossible and then nothing will happen. So therefore, it's very important from a culture standpoint to provide a uh, psychologically safe environment where people feel that they can take the risks, they can be vulnerable, they can push themselves and what we, even the customers, um, in order to really get to that big impact. I think that's fantastic. And and on on the other side of that that conversation, one key aspect of a healthy culture is is diversity, equity, and inclusion to ensure that all employees feel a sense of belonging. Uh, I, I'd love to hear from you. What can sales managers and leaders do to nurture DEI efforts on their teams in a really meaningful and, and really authentic way? The one thing is really to be an authentic leader, right? Um, to show up in your full self and to um, show your own vulnerability, right? Um, people uh, follow um, leaders um, based on the example that they set, right? So sales leaders should encourage a healthy sales culture by co- coaching their teams to lean into those risks, demonstrating psychological safety, being consistent, being transparent, being a trustworthy leader and showing up in a way where people can believe that you are authentic and real and legit and can be trusted, basically, right? Um, When it comes to uh, diversity and belonging, um, that means many different things, right? So it's not just diversity of the people around you, you know, who bring different backgrounds, experiences, perspectives, but it's also about diversity of thought, right? Um, so being open and curious, um, honoring each person as who they are, uh, valuing what they bring, and most importantly, as a leader, proactively seeking to create a team where diversity is built in by design, right? It's not a homogenous group that looks and thinks like you, but a diverse group of gender orientation, backgrounds, voices, etc. cetera. Um, at Google, we have a concept around hiring that is called, quote, culture ad versus culture fit. Instead of looking to hire someone to, quote, fit the mold, seek to find candidates that can add something unique, different, valuable, that isn't necessarily reflective on what other folks on the team may um, already be bringing, right? So in that regard, not only is it building a diverse team, but it's also leveraging the diversity in the team. And it's asking for people to contribute their voices, to share their experiences, to honor what people uh, are bringing to the conversation and being open and curious to what everybody could potentially bring. That makes you stronger in the end. That makes you able to bring something more innovative to the customers, right? If you're all thinking and looking and acting the same, you're you're just like everybody else. Right. And so when you're out there in a competitive situation and everybody else is looking like everybody else and speaking like everybody else and doing like everybody else, how are you differentiating yourself? And diversity and inclusion is one of those key ways that you can actually uh, build uh, a culture and a team and uh, relationships with customers that is different. I love that. And I think that you have very strongly articulated the business value and why DE&I should be 
a top priority for all organizations this year. Now, to pivot a little bit, in addition to your work developing sales leaders, you also write about topics focusing on on individual professional development and growth. And, and in one of your articles, you talked about the importance of taking time to do nothing, um, which you know I love and I wish I could have more time to do uh, because in today's fast-paced world and with everything virtual, I feel like there is immense pressure to be productive. So you know, what is some of your advice for how to maintain productivity uh, without burnout in, in this particular environment that we're all living in right now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough times, you know. Um, the people are uh, always on, right? You know, they're on these video calls all day long and they're, sometimes their, their work life is bleeding all over into their regular life. Um, and yet you hear uh, sort of this emphasis on, well-being, 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 but at the same time, you hear this emphasis on productivity, 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 and then you're kind of sort of caught in the middle, right? Um, so I used to be someone who was just fully focused on um, producing results, all about results, results, results. And in a sales uh, environment, especially when you have quota that you're trying to attain, it's, it's, it's an extra driver on top of just being results oriented, generally speaking. But the thing with being unproductive is taking the time out to give yourself space to breathe and do absolutely no thing. That can be sitting in the sun for five minutes. That can be taking a, a couple of minutes to just doodle aimlessly on a um, piece of paper. Um, anything that can give you uh, some separation, right? Um, and that being unproductive space actually recharges your batteries. And it actually also helps facilitate creativity. Because when you're so busy doing, 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 there's a lot of noise and chatter going on, right? When you separate and spend time to do nothing, uh, suddenly things can come out of thin air. You had a problem that you couldn't solve and suddenly a creative idea comes to mind. Well, that's because you had space. Space, uh, focusing on doing absolutely nothing, uh, can bring in um, other things for you as well, right? So a lot of the things that I do when I'm thinking about um, how do I be unproductive, the uh, title of the article referring to is why do I stare idly out the window and do other productive things, right? Um, I will actually uh, stare out the window idly, uh, literally, and space off and daydream. Um, I will schedule it into my calendar sometimes where I'm like, this is my do nothing time. I'm walking outside and I am going to go sit under that tree for 10 minutes and I'm gonna do nothing. And I literally give myself permission to do that, right? You'll begin to shift some perspectives on some things, right? Where you'll find that being unproductive actually sets you up for being more productive. Number one, it recharges your batteries. Number two, some creative idea can drop out of the sky for you. Number three, you're connecting to life, world, joy, um, whatever feeds you, you're connecting to it, right? And then you'll start to recognize that being unproductive is a very important 
thing that supports and honors your well-being. So you're going to do more of it almost. And then you'll get to the point where you'll start to uh, be able to decipher more between being productive and driving for results versus just pushing paper around or doing things that don't really need to be done. Or you'll find that there's a line where it's like, I have done enough. It doesn't need to be 110% perfect. Um, I have done enough. I am complete with this. I am moving on to my next thing, right? Uh, so all sorts of things can start to kind of um, positively uh, become a result out of you investing some time and just being unproductive. I love that. I love that notion of doing nothing so that you can be more productive and focused when you are back at work. You, you also wrote an article about courage. So Carrie, I'd love to hear from you. What does courage look like in the workplace and how can it help professionals grow in their own careers? Courage is being willing to take risks. Uh, courage is leaning into the unknown. Courage is embracing others in your relationships with others and what kind of ways you you look at people do you look at them as your colleagues are here to i don't know add more work take your job um, or are they here to add to your success right courage is about having conviction and faith that things will work out and most of all courage is you accepting your responsibility and your part in your experience um, both in the workplace, uh, where your career goes, um, in your personal relationships. Ultimately, courage is about self-discovery and owning your life and taking a stand for that, right? Taking a stand that in the workplace, I am going to honor my colleagues. I'm going to honor their diversity, uh, whoever they are, wherever they come from. I'm going to leverage their strengths. I'm going to see them as an ad. I'm going to lean in, right? I'm going to have faith that things are going to work out and I'm not going to stress out so much about controlling it. It has to be this one way or it has to go this certain way or it's going to be a failure, right? I'm going to be open to um, different things arriving in the way they arrive, right? Um, I'm going to take uh, responsibility for, for my part in it, right? And um, I'm going to embrace the unknown. You know, in this particular times that we're in, um, change is just a constant. It's, a, you know, the only constant in nature is change. And you know what? I'm just going to you know, ride that wave instead of fighting it, right? So, you know, these are all the things about, about courage. It's not only kind of finding you know, courage within, but then it's also kind of going out into the world and engaging in the world from a place of courage. And basically it's, it, it's walking in the uncomfortable zone and getting comfortable with discomfort, right? And um, leaning in and willing to take risks, try new things, fail and learn from your mistakes. And I think if we could all learn to be just, you know, 1% more courageous that would go a long way. And there are times where I will challenge myself. Um, I will give myself a BHAG. So a BHAG, that's B-H-A-G, stands for Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal. And I will throw something out there that's just like way out there that's something I would be too scared to do. And I just say, 
you know what, I'm going to give myself a BHAG and I'm just going to go for it. Because that's my practice in, you know, doing 1% more courage than I normally do. Or in this case, maybe it's 100% more courage than I normally do. But there's no attachment to it, right? It's like, because it's such a, so far out there BHAG, it's just like, hey, I'm going to go for it. And I have no attachment to the outcome, but I'm going to have the courage and the bravery to go give it a try, right? And then I learn things from that experience. And lots of times when I go for that BHAG, I actually achieve it. And then that becomes, wow, look what I'm capable of. And if I hadn't taken the courage to even put something down and to go for it, I wouldn't have even built my courage to get it done, right? So, um, you know, it's kind of like find your, quote, courage practice, right? And then the more you kind of develop that skill, the more and more you'll embrace it as kind of like your standard way of living. And the more and more you embrace the courage and the way that you live, just the more fantastic your life can become. I love that, Carrie. Thank you so much. And I think you're right. I think failure is often the fastest way to learn, but it takes a lot of courage to be willing to put yourself out there to potentially fail. So thank you so much, Carrie. I've learned so much in this podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you very much. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you want to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.